If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 191. It's our first tips podcast of 2022 featuring the Century Tournament of Champions from Kapalua in Hawaii. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's golf betting action. Happy New Year to you, gents. Morning, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Or Decent quiet start. New Year. Yeah. What was that, sorry? <laughs> quiet New Year, maybe. <laughs> quiet New Year, yeah. For many, yes, absolutely. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website, with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, we could talk about that in a minute, Paul, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge. And there is no paywall. We're available on Twitter. Barry is at a good talk golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I've actually put a Century Tournament of Champions video together for YouTube as of Monday. So that's out there in the ether. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast. I love this bit. So we need your five-star reviews. I have to say, we've got plenty here. As ever, for those of you who leave a review on Apple or iTunes, if you know it that way, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Here's one. A requirement for all golf bettors. Five stars. I wouldn't be able to make my betting card without their data and commentary. The cheeky banter doesn't hurt either. And that is from E or better. And he is in the US of A. I've also got a second one here. It's titled Price Proud. Five stars. Barry. This one's for you, Barry. Barry, there is no price proud. Only good prices and bad prices. Good show, guys. Enjoy the crack. That's from McCrake. And McCrake is in Great Britain. Thank you for those two five-star reviews. Keep them coming. Lovely stuff. Cheers, folks. Cheeky banter. I, it's a good job they don't record what we say before we go on air, boys, isn't it, really? Otherwise, uh, it, might, it might be uh, might be classed as something slightly different. But, uh, yeah, no, lovely. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the reviews, chaps. Very much appreciated. There's an idea, Paul. That, that's the paywall content. <laughs> yeah. the, the pre-show, yeah. Yeah, the non-recorded stuff, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the kind of stuff that your granny would want to hear you talking about. Now we were going to do a Christmas show, but that all that all came crashing down when Paul and I went for our Christmas drinks up in London, and within a few days I tested positive for COVID. So that that kind of took the wind the wind out of the sails in terms of this podcast. Yeah, so we nice. basically just had a, a five week period, didn't we? Of no podcast, no chit chat between the three of us, really. But um, in a way, I feel more refreshed for it. 
and I'm raring to go this week. It was it was actually a pleasure, chap, to, chaps, to pull all the information together for the preview. Um, you know, you, you feel reinvigorated for the 2022 golf year. Well, that's where I'm at. What about you two? No, I think you're right. I think I, I think it helps to have some time away to kind of recharge the batteries, to resharpen your tools ahead of the uh, the next season, yes. which uh, which hopefully we've done. I know you, you alluded to it a minute ago, but we, we didn't just sit on the uh, couch for five weeks. We have been no. uh, digging away at some data and um, and trying to find some some new ways to uh, to get some some strong results out of twenty twenty two. And uh, there's that old adage, isn't there? If you always do what you've always done, then you always get what you always got. I think is uh, the way it was always said to me. And I think if if you carry on using the same approach and um, dodging winners like we were last year, then uh, then you're probably going to carry on doing the same thing. So um, we've kind of taken a different stab at it, haven't we? And we've uh, I, I don't know how we'll bring this to. Um, fruition I guess over the next few weeks and months on the on the site but um, we're, we're working more heavily with um, categorising strokes gained by different types and the different types of courses and green surfaces and lengths of course and all sorts of mm. different angles of attack that um, that we tend to that we tend to use in the um, in the predictor but bringing that to life a little bit more from a strokes gain perspective so um, yeah, watch this space. It's, I don't. I don't think from what what we've eyeballed so far, Steve. I don't think we're in a position to kind of push it out to the to the um, to the masses. But uh, certainly something that we can start to use and see if we can get some leverage out in the background and uh, release it when the time is right, as it were. All of the all of the hard work is done, isn't it? I categorised the last five years of PGA Tour events going back to the start of 2017, mm. looking at length of courses. And that has actually gone live on the predictor model, hasn't it? So we're now yeah, going to have a, a predictor variable for short course, medium length course, and long course. And if people say, oh, you know, what, what yardages are they? It all depends on what the par was for that particular golf tournament as well. But yeah. already, just from that very easy, although time-consuming, piece of work, you can start to see patterns with particular players. You know, it's obvious. I mean, I, I had a view, potentially, that Kevin Nahr could be a decent bet this week because he won the Shark shootout a few weeks ago at the start of December with uh, Jason Kokrag. Uh, we know that he's the Sony Open winner down the road at Wileye. Um, that's being played next week. You'll be defending the title there. So clearly there's history there in Hawaii. But then you look at this data and it says, you know, last five years. Now, his performances on long golf courses are non-existent and he hasn't even had a top 10 on a par 72 golf course. So you're going to Kapalua at 7,600 yards, par 73. I'm interested in him, but you just look at that date and you go, I just can't do it. It doesn't, yeah. it just doesn't follow whatsoever. So, you know, yeah. it's that kind of view, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it, that, I mean, Kevin Nye example is great because that kind of backs up the um, kind of the narrative that we, we've talked about in the past with Nye in that he focuses on the events that are the most suitable for him. The yep. short, short past 70s seem to be the uh, the order of the day with Kevin. And, of course, when you back that up with some uh, some stats and the kind of enhanced view that you've pulled together for, for those courses, then that brings that to life a little bit more. And I think... Ultimately, that will help shape 
um, maybe maybe not so much um, who you include, but who you exclude from your um, mm. thought processes. So, yeah, hopefully, again, we, we're just in a as I say, sharpened the tools situation where we're um, slightly in a slightly stronger starting position for twenty twenty two, and see if we can uh, see if we can nail some big winners. See if we can nail that big tra- transatlantic double and pay off my mortgage, Steve, and um, yeah, fulfil one of my New Year's resolutions as a result. We also, um, in terms of that, to be fair, of course, that'd be very nice for you. I'd be interested to see if you could actually get the money out um, once you once you have the win. But um, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Um, another thing that we you, that we've been working on on the data side. So let let let's let's bring this to fruition in terms of what the punters and what the visitors at Golf Betting System are going to be getting. Every tournament now on the PGA Tour where strokes gained data is recorded. Each week now for every tournament, we will have a strokes gained analysis for that particular tournament with the partic- with all of the field in that analysis. So that's something that will be available every Monday moving forward. So that was basically a, um, an aggregated view of every player in the field and how they have done on a strokes gained basis across all of their skill sets as well. Off the tee, approach, ball striking... Um, around the green and putting and total. So that's all going to be available free of charge at Golf Bexes from the homepage. I'll also yep. link to it from the preview. As I said, we've added short, medium and long uh, variables to the predictor model. We also added towards the end of last year all strokes gain data in there as well. So stroke. this is on the PGA Tour version. So strokes gained across... Uh, it's a rolling six-month um, look, isn't it, Paul? On that, it is. Yes, that's right. Yeah, across both tours as well. So um, you've added it on the Euro. Um, sorry, DP World Tour. Yeah, the it's on the DP Euro. World Tour, and yeah, to expand on your point, the um, strokes gained analysis, where it's available um, on the DP World Tour, will also be published Excellent. for history um, mm. for that particular event as well. So Abu Dhabi, which is the first event um, in a week, well, just over a week's time, will be the first one where we've got some. Strokes gained history, or enough strokes gained history on the DP World Tour to publish. So, yeah, it, it feels like we're we're moving it all forward a little bit. Um, the other point that's been um, pushed out this uh, these last few weeks, if you go back and look historically at the results for or the um, stats pages for twenty twenty one, every stats page now has the final result, yep. the final finishing position for each player appended to it. So. Mm-hmm. If you, and this is the way I tend to start my week, I tend to go back and have a look at the previous year and previous years where possible and see um, where the winners came from, what kind of incoming form they had, what kind of course form they had, what kind of odds were they, you know, the, the, the kind of questions you need to ask yourself right at the very outset. And yeah. now, with the results being appended to 2021, you can go back and physically sort by that uh, results column and uh, see what the uh, the top five, top seven, top eight, whatever, top ten potentially, if you're getting ten places each way, um, what they look like in terms of their composition, and you know, were they good incoming form? Were they good course form? Were they all outsiders? Were they all favourites? Um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Particularly useful, I think, for first round leader bets as well, because you can also sort by the um, tee time as well, so you can see exactly mm. when the uh, players who finished. Or the top, or in the in the top five, or whatever, after the first day, where they came from in terms of their tee times, and 
incoming first round leader form. So that's all available by, via the stats section with a little explanation on there as to how it works. So uh, yeah, do check it out. Come have a look. Um, feedback always welcome on any of the stats or the the kind of angles of thought processes that we've uh, we've put together. We've had some programmers. It took them a while, wasn't it? But we had some programmers who took um, a lot of their time up getting all of the data rankable or yeah sortable mm. by all devices. So it, it brings all of our stat pages fully fully to life now, doesn't it? You can just rank yeah, by whatever stat you want to actually look. At. Be that tee time on first round leader, average score on a golf course, form by week on the strokes gain stats. You can now. Um, you can actually sort by, you know, who's the best driver at Kapalua over the last, uh, since 2017. I'll give you the yep. answer right now. That's Bryson DeChambeau, surprisingly. Sam <laughs> DeChauflay second, Tony Finau third. But all this data is now readily available for you guys, free of charge at Golf Betting System on any device, mobile, tablet, and on the old laptop. So come and use it. That's all we'll say. Barry, let's bring you in. Um, what have you... Garn, have you had a complete detox from golf over the? Uh, I'm talking about betting rather than playing. But have you had a detox from golf since we last spoke? Yeah, yeah, much needed. I was getting very burnt out at the end of um, mm. end of November. Actually, probably end of October. By the time I was really starting to feel it, um, yeah, November was a bit of a slog. It just yeah. it was it was just unrelenting. I mean, I, I guess it was the the combined super season. It didn't seem to have much of a break across last Christmas and that might have the Christmas before. I think that was possibly because the Masters was in November and kind of November. everything felt yeah. late, late November know, as well. Yeah. So mm. that, that kind of, in a way, elongated the season that were, or made it feel like it didn't have a natural shutdown period um, at that time of year, like you usually feel. Um, and so I guess it was just a, a build-up of everything, and I was just done with it. I don't know if I if that came across on the pods, or it certainly came across in the success of my bet, but I'd actually started, I'd kind of realized I was getting a bit fatigued with it, so I kind of di- dialed back the uh, the bets I was putting, because I knew I just wasn't really kind of feeling it, or even thinking about it properly, so fully um, kind of fresh from the break. I think you need a break to kind of remind you that you really enjoy doing it, and... Mm. Um, uh, kind of gives a system just a, a bit of a time to just yeah take a break. I think we all, but I think we all probably needed a little bit of a, a time out from it. Sure, build it and it helps. It lets the fire kind of build again and the enthusiasm. Um, so I'm ready to go. Um, not super. Um, it was a it was a bank holiday here, and I was indulging or enjoying the last day of the Christmas holidays. So I'm not fully. Uh, say researched up for this but i have a couple of ideas and we'll just wing it like you know you you were enjoying manchester united losing at home yet again weren't you i think a little bit too much i I don't take pleasure in the the losses of others (laughs) i'm sure you don't let's talk about this tournament then shall we the century tournament of champions always one of my favorites um i don't know why I, i quite like the golf course it's just it's totally Unique, isn't it? The, the, um, they play this. Um, it's a winners only event, uh, no cut. Uh, so this year we've got a field of 39. The only player that won last year and decided not to attend is Rory, who will open his campaign as he does quite often, doesn't he? 
down at Abu Dhabi. He'll be the uh, four to one favourite and won't win. Yep. He'll finish second, as per every year. Um, so yeah, he's starting in Abu Dhabi on the DP World Tour week after next. We've only, we've got the Sony Open next week again, which is on its own. No DP World Tour action. But yeah, it's um, it's a beast of a golf course in terms of its length. It's seven thousand six hundred yards. Um, it's a par seventy three, which again makes it totally unique. So how does that how is that par seventy three made up? Well, it's actually made up of eleven par fours, four par threes. Uh, sorry, four par fives, and just three par threes. So it's a very unique format. It's a 36-37 split. And what you tend to get here are quite a few course specialists. Now, and you know, I could say to you guys, name a couple of course specialists at um, at Kapalua. And I'm sure you'd probably say, well, in fact, I'll ask you the question. Name me a couple of course specialists at Kapalua. Well, JT, fairly clear, isn't he? He yeah. seems, to, seems to love the place. Actually, it's funny because if you look down the list of players that have done well, they they aren't or they don't necessarily conform to exactly the same. They don't typecast, do they? There's different no. ways and different means. And I mean, it. Patrick Patrick Reed's got a great record there as well. And um, Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas, yeah, not exactly two peas in a pod, are they? No, you've had Zach Johnson win here and Steve Stricker. Yeah, it, it, it seems to be, and I mean, even last year, Harris English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Harry, Harris English wasn't prestigious tee to green, but he just putted the lights out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, you got the likes of Jordan Spieth. Uh, what well, did Spieth get to 30 under, didn't he, when he won yeah. five, six years ago? Um, and, you know, you've got those fantastic putters who've, uh, who've performed, but then, um, you know, you've got a mix of ball strikers in there as well. I think there's different ways to skin this particular cat, yeah. as it were. Absolutely. It's almost like... An expansive course design gives different skill sets an opportunity to compete on the same week. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a very strange concept on the PGA Tour that like you can actually have different skill sets all having an equal, a reasonably good chance of competing on the the same course. But this one seems to offer it up. You know, it sounds long, but it's, it doesn't really play that way. They all talk no. about hitting a lot of wedges, so um, you know, it's uh, just don't. It's almost like a don't get yourself in trouble or, you know, just don't shoot yourself in the foot and then you've yeah. kind of, you just give yourself, give yourself chances. Um, and whoever, whoever feels, whoever's got the hot hand for the week, I guess, then from there, but it's, uh, it's kind of cool like that. We all remember the par five closing hole, don't we? 677 yard par five, which plays downhill. Yeah. That, mm. um, that right to left downhill shot. Mm, yeah. But when you actually go into the detail of this golf course, 11, um, we've got eight of the par, eight of the eleven par fours are sub four hundred twenty-five yards. Mm-hmm. So that's what you just said about wedge play. You're going to have wedge in the hands a lot of times here. And the other thing is that you've also got a number of those par fives. I'd say three, which are pretty much drivable. So. It's a real miss, me a mishmash of a golf course. It really is. Um, getting back into some more of the details. Par 73, 7,596 yards. None of the what holes have water hazards, so it's perfect for T2 Tony Fino. Uh, the greens are 8,722 
uh, square feet on average. So that is huge. They are Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. They quote the stempers between 10 and 10 and a half, but we've seen years when they're even sub that, so potentially nine and a half to 10. And um, the other thing about this golf course is the fairways are like Heathrow or JFK wide um, runways. They're 65 yards wide at 300 yards carry. I think you might be able to hit one of those, Steve. Well, that's if I could get it to the fairway. <laughs> I'd probably be, I'd probably be still be on the tee combo. Oh, yeah, in two, I mean, yeah. Um, I'll just, just to put that into any kind of context, um, uh, we played last time on the PJ Tour the Seaside Course for the RSM. Those fairways at three hundred yards carry were thirty-four yards wide. So yeah. They're almost double the width, mm. which. For players who are crooked off the tee, is an advantage for them because they'll be finding themselves on the short stuff far more than they regularly do. That's just fact. I think they're the easiest fairways to hit on the PGA Tour, amazingly enough. Last year, there was a renovation here. I, all I will say about the renovation is it, it, the renovation actually played for the first time in 2020. So with this is the third renewal that they played this renovated golf course. The main work that they did was lengthen the course, but they also softened, softened a lot of the contours on the greens. So they've made the putting areas easier. And that came through last year, where we had Harris English winning at what I see more as a traditional century tournament of champions winning score of 25 under. As you said, Paul, 30 under was the best back in 2016 mm. by Jordan Spieth. And that's what prompted them to actually renovate the golf course. The only defence for this golf course is wind. And the fact of the matter is, this week, I'll tell you what, before I say this, I'm just going to double check. I'm going to Windfinder, which is the uh, website I always use for the wind forecasts. Maui, Honolulu Bay, let's have a quick gander. Uh, nothing more than eight miles an hour across the four days. So exactly as it was yesterday. So there is no significant wind. I mm. think, you know, chaps, that that 30 under is potentially in danger. It takes some going to get there, but uh, on a track like that, that is so wide and so scorable when it's placid. Um, and, the, and the greens have softened up yeah, a bit as well, haven't they? Well, this is it. The, the greens, that first, run, that first uh, year... 2020 was 14 under was the winning total, JT. Mm. Uh, it was blowing a hoolie, like 30 to 35 every day. And those greens were really, really fast and unreceptive. Yeah. Um, last year, they'd be calmed down a lot, as they always do on these golf courses. So you've got another year now with those greens. And they had almost 300 millimetres of rain here in December. Mm. I'm just looking at the ruler in front of me. That's a lot of rain. So I think it's going to be a little bit softer. I don't think you're going to get as much rollout on some of these holes in, in terms of the fairways. This place is known for prestigious roll, run out. You remember that shot with Dustin Johnson whacked it on the green on one of the par fours down the hill. Yeah, I just yeah, think yeah. I just think the ball's going to be holding up slightly more. There's no wind and the greens are going to be soft. I mean, it's it's just lights out golf. Mm. 
They should have a few more uh, available pin positions if the course is that little bit softer and with yes. the, the renovation of the greens and they're yeah. not, you know, um, combined with the fact they don't always have them running lightning fast. Um, so, like, that, that's an interesting kind of, you know, viewpoint, I guess, just, to, you know, in terms of looking at the course and seeing play, pin positions that weren't there before. But uh, it, all, all factors are pointing to a... Um, uh, very easy examination for the guys for the first tournament of the year. It's the kind of tournament you love, Barry. 30 under par wins. <laughs> Clearly, I said that through with a great big smile on my face because I know you absolutely <laughs> hate it. Nine players shot 20 under or better last year. And it was the easiest course on the tour. And we're saying that actually this year is going to be even easier in terms of scoring conditions. But if they just call it a par 68, then we're in business. We've got, we've Bryce, got an interesting... It, it, it shouts, right? Yeah. It shouts Bryson DeChambeau or Augusta, doesn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, look, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's, um, it is what it is. And I, every, if every week was a tough week and a difficult examination, then they wouldn't be interesting because you don't yeah. have variety. So, um, I'm quite, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to watch a birdie fest for the opening tournament of the year. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, and I think the, the Sony next week kind of um, tempers it a little bit because we go from a, a wide open course to a much tighter setup, don't we? So um, we don't more have technical, long to, yeah. yeah, don't have long to wait for something that's a little bit different, um, even, than, even yeah. though it's in the same part of the world. So mm-hmm. yeah, bring it on. You just look at the players that were twenty under or better last year: Morikawa, Ram, Dishambo, Sungjaeim, Zander. Ryan Palmer, who actually went out in the final group at a hundred to one last year. Justin Thomas, Harris English, and Wacky Neiman, who those two made the playoff. It, you know, it just and we've said Zach Johnson, Patrick Reed, Steve Stricker, Jonathan Bird. The list goes on. Jeff Ogilvy's. There's different kinds of players, different lengths. You know, it's one of those courses where the best player on the week will win. In terms of strokes gained information for you guys that are listening, of course, all of this is available at Golf Bank System as part of my detailed preview. I dread to think how many words it was this this uh, this particular year. There's more detail there than you can shake a stick at, it has to be said. Strokes gained off the tee. What I'm doing here, I'm going back to 2016 Jordan Spieth and just averaging through of the winners where they ranked across different skill sets. Strokes gained off the tee, fifth. Strokes gained on approach, sixth. Strokes gained around the green, ninth. Strokes gained tee to green, fourth. Strokes gained putting, fifth. It doesn't really tell you a lot. What it does tell me is um, I think you've got to be a strong driver here. And that's not necessarily Deshambo. It can be more... Morikawa, who is just literally hitting every fairway and hitting it 295. So I think moderate to long is an advantage, but I don't think you've got to be an outright bomber here. But I do think, and it comes through on the stats, that, I mean, strokes going off the tee, fifth, a fifth across those six years is the average for the winner here in the field. And that put me off quite a few players. We'll go down that route in a minute. That put me off a few players that I was quite interested in. Because I, I, I think here, straight hitting, if not long hitting, I think is a pre-requirement of winning here. 
There are exceptions, Patrick Reed. But even we've been discussing Patrick Reed over a period of time. You actually look at Reed now, he's far straighter than he used to be. He's actually taken what looks like three, far, three to five yards off his average length, but actually hitting far more fairways. That seems to be the rationale with Reed. Yeah, he, go, he goes in fits and starts, Reed, doesn't he? He goes in periods where he's nice and straight, hitting lots of greens, can't putt, and then uh, times when it goes completely the other way. He can't hit a fairway, and he's like Houdini around the greens. And uh, when he mar- when he marries those two together in those odd weeks, that's when you get your uh, that's when you get your winner. When I look at the traditional skill sets, and this goes back to Jeff Ogilvy, twenty ten, uh, greens in reg, uh, driving distance thirteenth in the field, accuracy seventeenth, greens in reg eighth, proximity to hole tenth. That's quite high. Scrambling ninth, putting average third. So really, it's, it's it's not rocket science. You've got to create plenty of eagle and birdie chances, and whoever is converting the most eventually gets the job done. That's kind of where we're at, isn't it? And as we, uh, I've already alluded to, I mean, last year was a bit of an abnormality with Harris English. He was weaker from tee to green, 13th than usual, but his putting, strokes gained, was first in the field. year before that, Justin Thomas, strokes gained tee to green, was second, and he was 13th for strokes gained putting. So it's all much of a muchness, really. So we're expecting an absolute birdie eagle fest this week. Average price of winners here, something we always look at, if we go back to 2010, Jeff Ogilvy won this at 9 to 1. You average through the winning price here, 18, 1, 8 to 1. The highest price winner has been 50 to 1, and that was Jonathan Bird way back in 2011. Harris English last year won at 33 to 1, which was the second highest price since 2010. Uh, if you actually look at the past eight renewals, so since they've gone into this part into this split to PJ Tour season, uh, the average is twenty-one to one. Jordan Spieth was the shortest winning prize here, five to one in twenty sixteen. Now that takes us to this week's betting board. John Rahm. Is the favourite? I am seeing. Well, it kind of varies. John Rahm is the favourite in most places. I'm seeing him now. He's just been lengthened to nine to one with Bet Three Six Five. Justin Thomas um, is second favourite, but he's more eight to one. So I don't know. Let's call them joint favourites. Rahm and Thomas eight to one. We then got Colin Morikawa at tens. Bryson DeChambeau at 12s. I have no idea why Bryson DeChambeau is 12 to 1, but he is. Uh, this is a guy that's been trying to hit the ball to Mars and back for the last three months and not played any competitive golf. Um, Victor Hovland is generally 11 to 12 to 1, but I'm seeing him at 14 to 1 in a couple of spots. Patrick Cantlay is a 14 to 1 chance. Xander is 12 to 1 out to 14s in a couple of spots. And then we're out to the likes of Sam Burns at 18 to 1. Jordan Spieth at 22s, the same price as Daniel Berger. Uh, and then Matsuama at 25 to 1. Cam Smith and Patrick Reed at 28 to 1. With Sunjay Im. So that's where we're at. It's a good field. What are your thoughts around this event, chaps? 
Yeah, I personally, I, I, I tend to tend to back a two or three in this, and that kind of kind of is my lot. I it, it's kind of a, a watching brief the first week back because you get those players who've you know who've wintered well and have kept their you know, kept their eye in with some practice, and those that haven't, it's you know you're second guessing that to a certain degree. I think you can you can look back historically and see those players that have started seasons well and those that haven't, but. Um, situations change. You know, these 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 guys' lives change, don't they? You know, they get married, they have babies, they you know they they, they have Christmases that are you know, more extensive than they were when they were younger, freer, single um, guys. You know, there's there's differences that impact how prepared some of these players are and will be. And uh, yeah, it, I, I I like the event. I don't like the I don't like the fact it's on so late at night. But we can't do much about the time zones. Um, but uh, yeah, it's one that I tend to have a little dabble in without going um, too deep, personally. Don't know about, what about you, Barry? Is it, did you like to get involved in this one? It's the, the, the uh, I'm kind of with you on that, Paul. Yeah, it's the time, the timing of the viewing. It kicks off. It's it comes onto TV at ten, ten thirty, and you're almost kind of mentally switched off for the day and then you see it pop on and you go, oh God, you're golf. Okay, <laughs> a few errors to watch. Um, so yeah, always, it's it's one that you just kind of dip the toe in, um, I suppose to be the, as the start of the year event. Um, I, never get, I never get to see it as, as much as you'd like to, but uh, at the same time, it's not a bad way to start out. Just a, just a little, um, just get, get up to jogging pace. So, I kind of enjoy it, um, and I never go mad at the bets. But you know, it's interesting this year. There's like it's a whatever thirty nine man fields are paying six places. Um, mm. You know, there's a, there's a there's a couple of prices out there that you'd see for the guys in a full field event, and you're kind of thinking, ah, okay, I can get on board with this. So, um, it's kind of sucking me into a couple of bets. That's a very good point, Barry. Congratulations to Boyle Sports, Betfred, Ladbrokes and Coral, Betfair Sportsbook, Paddy Power and William Hill. They've all gone six places each way, 50 odds this week, which in a 39-man field is good value. I can remember going way back where four places was the um, industry standard for this. And mm-hmm. you know, it used to get the odd, odd player going five and a fifth. So, yeah. It just shows you how competitive it's getting in terms of the each-way places. One point I've made here in my preview, and this has always driven my selections here, 12 of the last 13 winners have all played competitive golf in December prior. Be that in Australia, pre-COVID times, or at Tigers Hero World Challenge, and or the QBE Shootout. And that was exactly the case last year for Harris English, who came in off form, I believe, of sixth at the RS at the uh, Maya, uh, RSM Classic, fifth at the Mayakoba. He then won the QBE shootout in a team with Matt Kuchar at Greg Norman's event in Florida in mid December. Came here, won at thirty three to one. The only one, the only player of those thirteen, uh, the thirteen winners that didn't come in with play in December was Jonathan Bird, and he won the Shriners Open in Las Vegas, which I think, I mean, I'm guessing here, I think back then it probably would have been in early November, 
came straight here and won at 50 to 1. So if you're going down the route of saying that someone needs to have played in December to win here, that instantly takes John Rahm out of the equation. And do you know what? John Rahm is going to be my fade of the week. We're back to fade of the week, chaps. I'm not going anywhere near John Rahm this week. Which means he'll do what he usually does, finish his second or third. But that doesn't mean we're looking for winners here. I don't like John Rahm on the basis that we haven't seen him since the start of October. And he was very, 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 very underwhelming when he played in Spain, those two events. He was. His, his last three, what's he got? Miscut, I'm trying to do from memory, miscut 17th or something like that, was it? And then miscut over his last three. It's, um, yeah, as you say, underwhelming is probably the right word. Um, just just not firing on all cylinders at the moment. And but again, you could hit the ground running, but at that price, it's um, taking a, a little bit of a leap of faith, aren't you? He's also got the world number one um, to try and with the position to try and protect this week as well, hasn't he? Um, so there may be that added motivation to, to, to hit the ground running, but um, yeah, I can let him go at that price, personally. JT played the world challenge uh, the sorry, the hero, and he played the father and son in December. Um, Colin Mowakawa played the World Challenge, of course. Deshambo played the World Challenge. Victor Hovland won the Hero World Challenge. We then go to Patrick Cantlay, who we haven't seen since the Tour Championship, and he won how many? I don't know how many trillion dollars did he win over that? That two, the BMW, the Tour Championship, and won the FedEx Cup. I, th I, I think Patrick's been having a good time. Xander uh, played the hero, as did Sam Burns. Sam Burns also played the um, Shark Shootout, as I know it, the QBE Shootout. So he played both. Uh, Spieth played abysmally at the hero, but hadn't played anything before then, like DeChambeau. And then you're out to the likes of Berger, who played the hero. Matsuama, we haven't seen him since he won in his homeland out in Japan. So what I'm suggesting here is, if you're going to go down this route of following this trend, there are a number of high-name players you can just cross straight off the list. And I toyed... I actually, Do you know what? I actually toyed with Matsuama this week. Because you, you look at his course form here, it is pretty, pretty stellar, it has to be said. He does like the place, but he, it goes against so many of my kind of preordained views of, of Hideki Matsuama, this actual golf course. Well, just the fact that it's Bermuda grass for a start. But you actually look at you actually look at what Matsuama's done here. I think he's had two seconds and a third place in his four. Here you go, yeah, third, second, fourth, and then last year he's forty first. So I did toy with Matsuama. If you're going to go down this, the view of, oh, you know, these trends are rubbish, which they often, you know, as we know, they do get broken. Um, the other one I did like at that kind of price point, who I haven't backed, is Sung Jae-im. Because Sung Jae-im, he won the Shriners. I think he topped 10 then at the CJ Cup in Las Vegas. And he was top 20 at Houston. And I was seeing some 28 to 1 about him yesterday morning which I thought was a reasonable price, especially for a guy who on course debut last year finished in the top five at 40 to 1. Another point here, no course debutant has won this. 
going all the way back to one of your old mates, Paul, Daniel Chopra in 2007. So I think for this isn't for an each way payout because you tend to get at least one player that gets in the each way places that's on a course debut. But to actually get the winner, we haven't seen a course debutant winner since 2007. And again, that takes quite a few of some very informed players out of the mix in terms of Sam Burns, for example, Talel Gooch, Taylor Gooch. Uh, Seamus Power's been in decent nick. I'm not suggesting you don't back them as an each-way punt, but to win hasn't happened of, of late. Cam Davis, Eric Van Royen, Garrick Higo, Joel Damon, KH Lee, Lucas Herbert, and uh, Burns, Power and Gooch. They are the debutants on this course. The other thing I found, found amusing was the fact that this is Phil Mickelson's first... Um, tournament of Champions appearance since 2001. Yep, he normally doesn't bother, does he? He doesn't. So Phil is in attendance this week. Didn't he, didn't he tweet out? I wonder if that's uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, true or not that he has to play this in order to qualify for the pip. I think that's what I saw. The player impact fund, you know, the 40 million wheelbarrow of cash they're all um, tweeting about all year long. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was was contingent on him playing, but uh, that would kind of make a level of sense, wouldn't it? Um, I think they have a bit of banter with all of this as well, don't they? But uh, it's a a big... It's become a bit of a joke. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, it's... um, that means there are, what, 10 or 11 guys out of the 39 that haven't, um, if you're trying to narrow down the field to identify a winner, 10 or 11 there are course debutants, And so you're down to a, you know, less, only 29 no, nine, I've, I've got nine players here, nine okay, players, nine, okay. nine players on course them. debut. So we're down to 30 straight away. As I said, I would not be surprised if Sam Burns, who seems to be playing golf from the stars, continues that and gets yeah. a nice top five, top six each way payout. But going back to that trend, he doesn't win it. And you, there is a lot to like about Sam Burns. You know, this boy, he hits it long. He hits mm-hmm. it relatively straight. He's high GIR. And he just shoots light out on Bermuda grass greens. I mean, Burns was another one. You you, you look at him in in your research and you go, good God, Burns is pretty much tailor-made for this golf course. But he was chalked up at 18 to 1, which is a... You know, he's actually a short price than the Masters winner, Hideki Matsuama, who's coming off a win. Uh, Yeah. You know, he's priced accordingly, isn't he? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of respect being shown for Sam Burns, and that, yeah. that was evident in the back quite end right. of last year as well. And, you know, it's quite right because his incoming form is outstanding, was he? You know, top top seven Did... four of his last five starts, or regular starts at least. Yeah, so he's a pain and he's a pain in the ass. The bookies don't want him um, yeah. Yeah. backed too heavily because they, the chances of him getting an each way payout are are pretty high the way he's playing golf. So. Yeah. This is Burns. This is Burns's form. You listen to this, gents. Second at the Shark Shootout, third at the World Challenge when he was playing with some of the best players in the world, of course. Seventh in Houston, fifth at the CJ Cup, and he won the uh, he won the Sanderson Farms. It's not bad, is it? It's not too shabby. It's not too shabby, is it? 
not too shabby at all. Right, I'll tell you where I'm at on this. Let's actually give the guy some views. I've I've, I've done my fade of the week. That is John Rahm. So shoot me down on that. I haven't seen the DK um, DK points. Is he top of the lot this week in, on DK? Paul, do you know? Am I so stitching odd. you up here with, no, with, no, no, with you a question on. you don't know the answer to? You, 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 you have a look into it. I'd be, I'd, I'd be surprised if Rahm wasn't the most expensive. Yeah, well, um, they, they, you do tend to get a little bit of a um, variance between uh, the, the odds and uh, the DK. They price. may have yeah. JT at number one. No, no, no. Rahm, 11,000. 11, Morikawa, 10,8. JT, 10,6. So, it, yeah, it's, it's very similar to the betting, um, just with Morikawa and Thomas flipped effectively. I came into this um, with a toss-up of who to back. Uh, the two that I had in mind at the very top of the market was going to be Victor or Colin. That was that was preordained. I've been thinking about that over the festive period. So when I saw that Colin was actually separated by a couple of points from JT and John Rahm, I was very, very um, upbeat about that. Um so yeah, I backed Colin Morikawa. I managed to get him at eleven to one with Spreadex, Spreadex Sportsbook. Uh, for those of you who don't know Spreadex, UK based. Uh, their history is in spread betting, but I think they've done. Is it like since two thousand and seven, Paul? They've done. They've done a sportsbook as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been running alongside it yeah, for a while. They're, 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 they're relatively near us, aren't they? They're based over in St Albans in mm. Hertfordshire. Um, so yeah, I've got five places each way. A 50 odds with SpreadX at 11 to 1 on Colin Morikawa. There were a couple of firms in the UK, firms that I haven't got an account with, who were actually adding him up at 12 to 1 first thing yesterday morning. And I know that 12 briefly. to 1's. Yeah, briefly. I know that 12 to 1 was hanging on over in the States at um, DraftKings Sportsbook. Whether that's gone or I don't know. But anyway, I've got him at 11 to 1. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Morikawa boat this week. Um, I think there's so many good things about this guy. I, I, if, you, if you're pricing Morikara up behind John Rahm that hasn't played since October and since J2, I still don't think with his driving problems and the fact that his putting is... You know, you go back to J2 in 2017. I tipped him up to win this at 22-1 to 1 and he did. He was such an awesome putter back then. He was one of the best putters on the planet. That putter now is so bulky. It, it can be good and it can be absolutely tr tremendously bad. And I'm just looking at I'm just looking at his numbers here from last year. He, dis, I mean, despite this, he was last in the field for fairways hit, and that I think is still JT's problem. And I keep saying that until it's until it actually stops. He hits a couple of these destructive drives every tournament, and you know, doubles and trebles are on the table on occasion and especially in an event here where you've got to be shooting 28 and 30 under I think there's going to be some potentially problems for JT where he actually I can see JT going very very well and then all of a sudden double bogey because yeah. he's had one of these out of bounders or something crazy has happened with the driver or you've you got, got to keep you've got to keep going with the putter haven't you you can't afford to have that slack round with the putter either um Otherwise, you're just not going to keep up with the pace. And uh, yeah, as you said, it's you never can quite tell with this putter. It's going to be um, going to be where it should be or not. So I think Colin Morikawa, 
Oh yeah, but you know, at the World Challenge, Steve, he was five shots ahead in, in the final round and he absolutely shat his pants because of the world number one. Well, yeah, the, the, the thing with Morikawa, I think he's a, you know, it's fairly self-evident. This guy is a fast learner, mate. This is, this is a, this is a guy that's, you know, he's won two majors already and the guy's just 24 years of age. He's a DP World Tour Race to Dubai winner at just 24 years of age. I think coming here with John Rahm here, the world number one, playing a golf course he clearly likes, you know, two seventh places in his two appearances, I actually think that'll be a spur to him. So I, I don't see the world number one situation being a problem. The other thing, going back to that hero, was he never had a five-shot lead or a considerable lead going into, into the final round. He'd, yeah. he's only, he'd only ever... I think he'd led one tournament by a shot. So it, again, he's 24. He's learning all this stuff. He'd never been there where everyone's gone, well, he's, he's won the tournament. Actually starting the final round. Yeah. And I was saw it, some crazy stat. Like, Was it Justin Ray or someone said out there the other day that only 21 or 22% of Sunday leaders actually converted last season? It's, it, was some, it was something crazily small. Opposing a 54-hole leader is... Particularly last year was would have been really quite fruitful. Uh, the other point with Morikawa is you had this world number one scenario um, right, you know, in, in, right in front of him. Something he was trying to grapple with um, during that event, um, right up until the to the final day. And yes, he's got the same scenario this week. Although the scenarios are far more straightforward, aren't they? It's um, it, it, there's there's far more scope for him to to reach number yeah, one yeah. should um, with the, with the way that the points are structured and the way that the points are dropping off of John Rahm's history um, right now. But uh, yeah, you know that that may have been his you know, kind of his trial run for it. You know, get his head around it, go back and recoup and um, and see see where it takes him. Of the top of the market, I, I would have probably, not, not that I have backed him, but that would have kind of been the angle that I'd have gone for. And, and JT, for all of his quality um, record here, um, I can't trust his putting. I can't I can't trust him to keep going at that kind of pace to, to hit that, as you said, somewhere in the region of 25 under or, or deeper this week. I keep eight-week trackers, if you're new to the podcast or new to Golf Bet System, I keep eight-week trackers and we track strokes gained across both the DP World Tour and the PJ Tour and we merge them into one. I'm, I'm not sure anyone else does that. Colin Morikara over the past eight weeks, and yes, there's a couple of gaps in there where they played stuff at Mayako, but, but anyway, he is ranking in my eight-week tracker. Number one for strokes gained total, number two for strokes gained tee to green, and get this, for a guy that's a not the best putter in the world, traditionally, he's ranking second for strokes game putting. And then, you talked earlier, Paul, about us sharpening our tools. We've got this uh, behind, we've got a strokes game total summary access now, where we've gone back, Paul's gone back, and we've, we've all strokes gained across a multitude of different um, functions and uh, designers, course length. We've also got it for Bermuda grass putt. So for Bermuda grass, so all Bermuda grass PGA Tour events going back to 2017. Uh, and we, this is this is strokes gain total. Colin Morikawa in this field ranks third, behind only Justin Thomas and Bryson DeChambeau. So looking at those strokes gain total stats, it also suggests that behind Bent, Poa, Mix, this is Morikawa's best 
performance kind of for green. I'm not suggesting he's the best uh, Bermuda grass putter in the field, but when it comes to results, strokes going total, he's third best. Um, second, his second best surface behind Ben Power is Bermuda. So I'm in. I'm in on him. Eleven to one on Colin Morikawa at the top of the market. I went four points each way. I what? Where do you rank? When you look at these guys, where would you rank a Hovland in comparison these days to a Morikara or a JT? Because I've been, you know, listening to a lot of podcasts and stuff about Hovland. I know that Hovland is absolutely red hot with people's projections over in North America about he's going to win his first major. Um, um, if they're people that have been doing drafts, he, you know, he's been picked first, second draft pick for the whole of the PGA Tour and the major season in terms of the points that he can bring in and the money he can bring in in all these fantasy games. What kind of a year do you think Hovland's going to have? Is it is it going to be that breakout year where he wins two, three, four tournaments or potentially a major in there as well? I don't know. He's, he won his last two anyway, hasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. It's a huge talent and it will be fascinating to see how he goes. I'm not sure I put him on exactly the same level as a Colin Morikawa right now. Um, no. But he's, he's a don't. young lad and he's... It, it, but you know, if you ask me this question in 12 months' time, it could be a completely different answer. He may have nailed that first major. He may have won three or four, or you know, more events over the course of the uh, course of the calendar year, and uh, you know, be pushing right up towards the very, very top of those world rankings. Um, he seems to have the game to to be able to push that much further. It'll, it'll be fascinating to see how he progresses. But uh, yeah, right now um, he's not an, on an identical level to a Colin Morikawa. Um, Justin Thomas, yeah, again, his game kind of fluctuates between bits being really good and bits being really bad. And uh, should he find that um, level of consistency across all aspects again, then um, you know there's another another player who could be pushing right at the very top. Do you think Justin Thomas is like a Rory McIlroy light? Yeah, just sometimes parts of the game just go off the boil, but he can still just pull together the results, backdoor results. It's mad, mate. For a, for a guy that's slagged off so badly as Rory, when you uh, this whole piece of work Paul and I have been doing for the last five weeks, strokes gained total and strokes gained across all of the tournaments last five years, Rory is just all over it, isn't he, Paul? Wherever you yep. look, he's yep. near the top or at the top of every function, every variable, every angle, every designer. He's that mm-hmm. consistent, and then we go. Oh, he does, but yeah, but he doesn't win as much as he used to. That's facts. It and JT's kind of gone that way, hasn't he? Very, very consistent. Very rare that JT doesn't finish a tournament in the top ten. But he had one win last year. And he, he's he's really. And he was good. far more. I'm, he was I'm, far more prestigious than that, wasn't he? He used to have years where he'd get two wins, three wins, four wins, and all of a sudden that's kind of leaned off. And that's because he's having trouble with the putter and he's having trouble with the driver. Still, his approach is Morikara-esque, isn't it? It's top three in the world, his approach play, Thomas. It's it's the driver and it's the putter. And I, do, you, do you know what? I think I, I think you're going to get like anomalies like that or variances in the, their like results over a year or two years. Um, yeah, but, you, the, but you don't get the variance in his odds, though, do you? That's the trouble. 
No, and that's the problem. But the thing is, they keep the, the thing that's remained reasonably constant for the two of them is that they're generally putting themselves in positions to win tournaments. And the variance is whether they convert them or not on on you know in any given stretch of time, and and that's why you may, maybe get these like two and three win years versus a a, a more dry period. Um, it's interesting, but I mean, I'd rather. I suppose from their point of view, like the, if they're always in with a chance, then they're in with a chance of winning. Whereas if they completely bomb out each week and you miss the cut, you can't win the tournament. But if they're there, thereabouts and hanging around. You know, there's a chance they can just get a hot streak on a Sunday, blitz a bar, you know, a load of birdies, and, and grab a win. And I, I think it's a, I think it's something that you might might see JT or Rory just go on a multi-win year this season. It's, I'd be kind of shocked if one of them doesn't or mm. both of them. Yeah. And 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 the thing about JT's putting is that you know you don't lose the ability, you don't lose the fact that you were a great putter. You might lose your form with it but if you were a great putter you can get that back um it, and it, ju- it might just take one little spark one little thing and he could always you know like that that jt deadly like lethal sniper putter that he was could be back everything i see read and i love jt you know me he's probably my in my top three favorite players i love justin thomas i think he's a great bloke i want him to do well but in a way, everything I hear and read about him, he's work. It's always, um, it's the hardest I've ever worked. You know, the work that, that I'm putting in, I'm not having down. It's almost as if he's trying too hard. It's got to that stage, but we'll we'll, we'll see. You know, he might come out flying. Who knows? He, he's such a talented guy. I'll go through my other two tips, and we'll quickly move on to you guys. We, we're approaching the hour mark. Um, I've gone Patrick Reed, one and a half points each way at twenty-eight to one. I managed to snare that with uh, Labrooks, six places each way. Reed, we said, horse recourse, undoubtedly. Um, career-wise, four of his nine PGA Tour victories have been on Bermuda Grass Greens, and three of those nine wins have been by the coast. Here in Kapalua, 2015, uh, Liberty National, 2019, opposite Manhattan, and Torrey Pines last year, 2021. So he likes to play by the coast. I genuinely think that Reed's going to have a big year. I genuinely think that what happened last year with him uh, basically being snubbed by his fellow peers for the Ryder Cup will cap will get Captain America absolutely brimming to try and get himself an automatic spot for the President's Cup this year. And I think he's going to have a good year, Patrick Reed. I think he's going to come out firing and... On this golf course, I just really fancy his chances, especially as he was third last time out at the Hero World Challenge, which was by far his best performance for quite a while. I think he was second in Bermuda Championship, but the Bermuda Championship was kind of, wasn't it? One of those alternate events. Um, This one, the World Challenge, I think he was fourth for scoring uh, across Friday, Saturday and Sunday, and he was fifth for scoring across the weekend. So he was clearly up with the pace, which is, oh, they're good signs there. Good signs coming out of Reed. And actually, if I look at our mega strokes gained number um, analysis, he ranks ninth since 2017 on long golf courses for strokes gained total. Morikara actually ranks seventh in that. The number one guy? Guess what? Rory McIlroy at one and Justin Thomas at two. 
for long golf courses since 2017 strokes gains total. I just like Reed this chart this time. He loves playing by the coast. He loves long golf courses. And actually, if he can find some consistency hitting the greens and with the putter, that kind. Did he? I'm trying to remember what he won that that um, that tournament that they used to play. Was it the um, Bob Hope Lottery? Didn't he win yeah. that 30 under par once or something crazy? He can get super low, Patrick Reed. When we know what a fantastic scrambler and putter he is, and if you couple that on a on a course where he's not going to be penalised from from off the tee when he's when his driving's not as good as it should be, then uh, then he can accumulate that kind of score. And I'm with you, Steve. I, I think Reed's cracking bet this week. I really do. It's uh, you and I talked about him at length at the back end of the last. We talked year. about this when I was catching COVID up in London all those <laughs> we weeks did. ago, didn't we? Oh, that Patrick, we're about twelve pints. Tournament champions, all over. He was twenty-eight under par when he won the twenty fourteen Humana Challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can get he can get to the right kind of number. I think. Uh, the other one for me, he's completely unfashionable. Um, he's very unpopular. Um, and he's always overpriced. Forty to one, I got on Jason Kokrak this week, and that guy is coming off second, uh, first at Houston Open, and first with Kevin Nahr at the uh, QBE shootout. Putting lights out, hitting plenty of greens, and his first PJ Tour victory. If you remember, going back to Las Vegas, I think it was the CJ Cup. Um, he beat an absolutely stellar field to win his first ever. P- broke his PGA Tour maiden. You know, it had everybody in it: Ram, Morikawa, DJ, McElroy, Cantlay, Hovland, JT. So, if you think that he can't win a tournament with this level of field, well, he's already done it. So, I took the forty to one on Jason Kokrak, who's playing golf from the gods. Uh, he's up to 20 in the world, Jason Kokrak. Can you believe yeah. that? I think everyone believes that he'll just disappear and he'll be 120 by the end of the year because it's just a bit of a fad phase he's going through. But you actually think about it, he's been playing world-class golf now for, what, 15 months, Kokrak? I don't I don't necessarily see why that ends this week. So I've gone for Kokrak at 40s, Reed at 28 and Colin Morikara at 11 to 1. You're on Patrick Reed, Paul. We haven't heard from Barry. Hit us with it, Barry. You've been doing all your research over the last 30 minutes. Who are you going for? <laughs> yeah, condensed cramming for the exam. Um, one question about Kokrak because uh, it's a really interesting bet. Um, he had one, one appearance at this before. He was 35th last year. Was there something kind of uh, his incoming form into this last year? Was that a bit dodgy? Is that Does that explain that? Because 35th says to me, not a great course match just on his for a debut result here. If, if I categorise Kokrag, he is a medium to long course specialist. And... He used to be a fantastic tee to green player that couldn't putt at all. And he now all of a sudden he's always in the top. I mean, last year he was in the top 10 for strokes game putting across the whole year, whole season. And he's in the top 10 already this year. So he's actually a guy that can hit tons of greens and he's putting lights out. Why? Uh, maybe he'd been on too many tequilas or something last year. Who knows? But he's got courses. He's, he's, he's been here. He's, got, he's ticked that box, hasn't he? He isn't a Daniel Chopper, yeah. course debutant. He's been here, he's played. And we've had players here that have literally finished last and then won on their second outing. So I'm not really concerned about that. Yeah, Barry, so he answer, played four... Go on. I was, gonna say, go I was just, gonna, just gonna say, to answer your question, he'd missed his previous two cuts coming into this at the back no, end yeah. of last year. 
Um, okay, he had so... one in the full season, so oh, in, in, at the back end of the autumn season. Um, I think then, he won the yeah. You can imagine what happened. He won the CJ Cup, didn't he, in Los yeah, Los Las right. Vegas? His first ever PGA Tour victory, and then he just got on it. Yeah. <laughs> missed the cut, yeah. missed the cut, came here, didn't do very well. But this year it's completely other reverse. One in Houston, one in Florida at the QBE. He's coming here at peak of confidence, and I just think yeah. at forty to one, he was twenty two to one with Coral and Landbrooks this morning. They've just lengthened his price to thirties. So you've got that. He was half the price with one bookmaker as opposed to 40 to 1 at Betfair. I, I think he's been completely a, almost, overlooked. Almost a disrespectful price. Yeah, you got it. You got it. So, so I'm on Coke, Rag, yeah. I'm, I'm, you've convinced me. I'm adding I'm adding that. Um, the other two I've got, I've backed Xander uh, because this is a 14 to 1 for Xander is a Xander full field price almost. So mm, I'm happy true. to take that on. Guys, yeah. That's a Xander major price. Yeah, we don't need to say much more. And he's in a very short field. So I'm, I'll take him on. There's not often I back Xander because um, he, does an awful, he hits an awful lot of places, but they're not very lucrative places, you know, for his whatever, 14 to 20 to 1 year or 22 to 1, you can generally find him out week on week. So look, I'll take him on in a short field like this. And then... The other one is uh, Sung J.M. Um, mm-hmm. uh, missed, missed the early 28s, but took 25s. He's just a machine for um, for his golf. And I can't imagine he was indulging too much in the in Christmas time and, and, and that, kind of, that kind of drop at the, the end of the year. So I think he'll have been, he'll have been working away a bit, uh, maybe more so than the rest of the guys over Christmas and might be that bit sharper. I'd have loved to have seen Sung J.M. Not that he could, play. but I'd have loved to have seen him play something in Korea towards the end of the year and come here. Maybe maybe he wanted to break. I don't know. Yeah. Um, if there's one player that in that field, there were, well, there were a couple, Matsuama and Im were the two, that if they break that trend of December or the World Challenge, it's, it'd be yeah. one of those two, I think. I, well, I, I mean, think the, the December one... The December was not a mad one to break, though, is it? Like you know, it's it's a difference of one or two weeks. Mm. So, Im, you think about him, and I've read this and I agree with this. A couple of courses I think kind of correlate here, although it sounds crazy. I think there's Augusta National tones to this place. Wide fairways, long golf course, contoured greens. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, it's not 15, fourteen on the stem, but there's a. There's a kind of visual feel to it, kind of bombs away golf. The other one, I think, that links to this is the... Is it not... What, I, I forget now. Is it eight, seven, nine, eight bridges? Nine bridges? Over that they play oh, in South like Korea? Yeah. Nine oaks. Yeah. How many bridges? I forgot. Nine, isn't it? Oh, it nine bridges, sorry. Nine bridges, that's I'm it. mixing oaks, yeah. <laughs> that is a very... I think the... Just the, the fact that it's on the island, they, they reckon that that um, Jeju Island is very Hawaiian in its feel. Um, the, 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 you know, the same kind of foliage and the trees. That's an elevation. It's a, lo- it's a relatively um, wide golf course. And Sun Jae-im is from Jeju Island. And I think he's had a top 10 there. And of course, he finished second at the Masters. Mm, was it t- end of 2019? Yeah, that'd have been it, wouldn't it? Yeah, 2019 Masters. So yeah, I, I can see him. I can see a lot of yeah, good about him. It's uh, yeah. So look, hey, who knows if we if if any of us had the um, 
the solution to golf betting, we actually wouldn't be doing this show, you know? So, um, <laughs> you wouldn't be sharing the secrets, that's for sure. So, or, um, I like our picks. I like where we're at. Bring it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got one more. Um, I've backed two, actually. Um, Patrick Reed, as uh, I mentioned a second ago. The other one I've backed is Mark Leishman, um, 35. There was a bit of early 40s, but 35 to 1 mm. now. Um, some good, solid all-round numbers. Past 72s is good. Resort courses are good. Got a couple of wins from Bermuda. Um, fourth strokes game, putting on Bermuda in this field as well. Um, We've got a seventh and a fourth here from uh, two, so two decent attempts from four starts here, and uh, he, he played well at the um, the CBA at CBA, didn't he? With Jason Day, he was, I think they were three clear when they going into the final day before. Uh, Is it CB? I, I had it down as the QB. QB, QB, CB. You've got to get the detail right. The QB shooter, CBA, but they were they they were leading going into Sunday, weren't they? Him, that's and, right. Yeah, the three, uh, sick yeah. note, Jason Day. Yeah. I was, I'm getting ahead of myself, Steve, for when you get your knighthood. Um, yeah, so, yeah, they were, they were three clear. I didn't quite do it with, uh, with Jake, but, yeah, he was playing with Jason Day, who's hardly been setting the world alight over the last... Uh, I think he's had a couple of top years. fives, though, hasn't he, in the full series? Yeah, he has, yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. playing better, Legion. Yeah, he, again, from the putting perspective, I think you're going to need to putt well to get to the number here. He was second for strokes game putting at both the Fortinet and the Shriners, where he, mm. he played well, as you say. Um, he's got to 23 under to win the BMW Championship in the past, 26 under to win the CIMB Classic back in 2018. Um, he's won in January before at the Farmers back in 2020. President's Cup's going to be a bit of the narrative this season as yeah. well, isn't it? And um, 13th at the moment in the rankings, so he needs to get a little bit of a, a wriggle on if he's going to be uh, featuring in that this year. So, uh, yeah, lots of like the Leishman. Um, 35s, I thought, was a solid each-way bet um, in this short field. There were three for me, that deeper price point. Reed, Cokerag and Leishman. So I've left Leishman out, you've got Leishman. So for the podcast... We've got the angles covered. Excellent. I like that. That's us then, guys. That's the first Indeed. podcast of 2022. Yes. Best of luck, guys. Best of luck for 2022. Let's nail some absolute monster winners this year, shall we? Absolutely. Let's just nail loads of winners. They don't need to be monsters. Just loads of winners. I've got, I, I have got yeah. a New Year's resolution, which is the first time I've had one for, well, I think it might be the first time ever. I am going to enjoy my golf betting a lot more, not worry so much and not be so... I'm just going to go out there, pick who I want, write the preview, get the job done. And by the time I've had four blank weeks by the end of January, <laughs> that phraseology will be completely and utterly shot It'll be, be a broken man. Yeah, you'll have a new alter ego that'll have a very angry voice. I just think you find you find your lane, don't you, and you stick with it. That's what that's what we need to do. And just have a little bit more Sunday luck. That's all we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some awful Sundays last year from, from some fantastic positions. So. I heard Jeff Feinberg on a podcast over the festive period, and I agree with him completely in what he said. He said at the end of the day. All you can do is put players into a position on Sunday to win, and from that point onwards, it's 100% luck. And I don't disagree with that. And that's a guy that got how many winners last year, Jeff yeah. Feinberg? Loads of them. He had a storming year, Jeff. Didn't so there you go. He did have a good year. Right. Good luck to you guys for the week. 
I'll, yeah, I will speak to you again next week for the Sony Open. And uh, best of luck to the listeners. We'll be back next week for the Sony Open in Hawaii. Enjoy your golf betting this week. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting